You know, C.S. Lewis uh, was a great author, but also became uh, one of the most powerful proponents uh, for Christianity in the early uh, 1900s. And part of that was because uh, of broadcasts that he would do on the radio in, in England during World War II. He did 25 different addresses over about a three-year period. And in those, he spoke about Christianity and how it made sense of suffering in the world. And, and in those broadcasts, he would defend the faith brilliantly. You know, those addresses would later become the basis for his famous, most nonfiction, or his most famous nonfiction work, uh, Mere Christianity. And so Lewis was a great Christian thinker that gives us much wisdom on how we see and approach God, especially in difficult times. And there's a story in Lewis's uh, book, Surprised by Joy, that came to mind this week uh, for me in the midst uh, of our time of, of global pandemic. And it's one I've read on uh, several different occasions as Lewis tells of a friendship he had with two men who were two of his closest friends, Ronald and Charles. And he tells about how when Charles died, Lewis said he found his surprise that even though it was just he and Ronald now, uh, instead of the three of them spending so much time together, he felt like he had less of his friend Ronald. And he'd go on to describe it this way. He would say the reason is, is they spent time together, just he and Ronald, absent of Charles now that he had passed, is that he had less of Ronald because of what Charles brought out of him. And so Lewis would say it, it takes a group of people to really know a person because in community you see and experience a fuller understanding of who they are. And if you stop and think about it with relationships and friendships in your life, uh, you certainly can see how people react differently when different people are around them. And I see that uh, in my own life and friendships, but I also see that uh, with my children. You know, I love the opportunities to watch my kids play sports, to watch them with their friends. I enjoy when I go to pick them up from school and they don't know I'm there yet. And I kind of get to observe them with different people, different friends, teachers, people around them. And I love doing so because I see different sides of their personality and the way they interact now, I certainly know my children well. They live with me. I spend lots of time with them. I know their personalities. And I know a good bit about them, but I see them more fully. I understand more of what they're like when I see them in community rather than just one on one. And so there's a richness of community that draws us out to know and be known in ways that we cannot be uh, alone or, or just even one on one. And so C.S. Lewis would go on to say that how much truer that is of our relationship with God. God who is infinite and full of glory and beauty, who we will only ever scratch the surface of fully, fully knowing him in his uh, entirety in our lifetime. But God created us to know him, but he also created us in his image to be relational, to know and to love others. And so there's this unique and special place of that happening together when we gather together and we worship God with others. It's unique when we live in community with others. We get to see more of him. We get a fuller picture. God created us for this. And so it is good and it is right and it is true that we are called to, to uh, worship on our own, which is a wonderful gift. And there's something vital and important about that. 
But it's also true that it is a powerful part of who we are and the way we are made to worship together. Psalm 33 says, shout for joy to the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Just think about that for a moment. Praise befits us. You are made for this. Or Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Right? It's a good reminder that praise doesn't just happen in this building or, or when we gather together. It just doesn't just happen in community. We are called to praise him moment by moment in all of life and in all things. But in verse three of Psalm 34, it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Again, there it is, this call to do it corporately, this thing that befits us, that we were made for as relational beings. And so right now, I know for many of you, and I certainly feel it, I feel the deprivation of that. The longing to be able to gather together and worship, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And I was thinking about this week. And missing being together. And I was reading through the Psalms and I landed in Psalm 42. And see something that spoke very clearly to this need and the struggle that comes in its absence. The difficulty that can emerge. And the Psalms seem like such a gift this week. And I, and I hope you know that experience. Where you feel God graciously meeting you in his word. So clearly and profoundly speaking directly to where you are. And so for me this week, that was Psalm 42 and 43, because in these chapters, it carries with it a a spiritual uh, depression of sorts. The refrain uh, of of the psalm, the psalmist says over and over, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? And he mentions it multiple times. Why like this? There's this struggle. There's this spiritual dryness that has come on the psalmist and he's struggling and he's confessing. And it's interesting as you as you read, because as you progress through the psalm, each confession of struggle is preceded by a confession of who God is. And he's struggling spiritually, but he is in a time of dryness and it's hard, but he hasn't forgotten God. He's not in this rough season because of some besetting sin in his life. He's actively professing God is good and he is with him. And if you read Psalm 42, it's almost as if the psalmist is is speaking back to himself, reminding himself of who God is and what is true. And this is a good thing. And we are called to do this, to remember the goodness of God, to be reminded Yet he's still struggling. In verse three, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. And so you see this difficult season. And so maybe You've had times like this. Maybe right now this is one of those times. And it can be difficult, these different seasons that we go through. And the picture these two psalms paint together are one of a a spiritual depression or spiritual dryness of sorts. And that makes the days hard. It can make them emotionally draining. Maybe you've had days like that recently where they seem like a chore to get through. Uh, If you look at the language here at the beginning of Psalm 42, as it talks about the the kind of famous line that we've written songs about is the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs after you. But if a deer gets thirsty, 
Uh, if animals need a drink of water and they live in the wild, like case of a deer, they go to a stream or a river or a body of water. If a deer is now panting, uh, so thirsty that it's in this condition, uh, it points to that maybe it's a season of drought. And I think the analogy here is one of, of the spiritual drought of sorts. God feels far from the psalmist and it's difficult. And I know for some of you right now, because of the circumstances of life and the way things are going, that we feel out of sorts. And I think it can be disproportionately so right now. And so what I want us to do together this morning as we look at Psalm 42 and 43 is I want us to consider why the psalmist is struggling. I want us to do so to consider this spiritual dryness that the psalmist is talking about. And so very simply, we're just going to ask, why does this happen? And what can we do about it? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Why does it happen and what can we do about it? And the scripture here gives us some clues on why it happens. And then we'll think about what we can steps we can take in the midst of those times. And so first, let's just start with why does this happen? And and there's a big picture that I want to at least touch on before we jump in here. There's three things I want to show you from the psalm. But there's one I want to mention before we get into this psalm that's not necessarily here in this psalm. Uh, one commentator, as I was reading this week, mentioned uh, that nowhere in this psalm do you see the psalmist confessing sin. He's struggling, but he doesn't seem to be struggling with the specific sin in his life at this moment. But if we go outside of this text, if we go uh, to the wider view of the Bible, it's something that we need to at least mention if you're struggling with a spiritual dryness, a spiritual depression. And that is if there is unconfessed sin in your life. If you're harboring sin or there's a besetting sin that you are dealing with, it can be uh, something that brings a spiritual depression. It's like the image in 1 John. When it talks about living in the darkness, and if you're living in the darkness, you're not living in the light, and that is a miserable place to be. And if you know that passage in First John, it says, uh, if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, that doesn't mean that God leaves you or forsakes you when you sin, but in those moments of harboring sin, of returning to it. You're not walking with him, but you're turning your back on him. Now, he doesn't leave and he is faithful and he is seeking relationship with you. But in your sin, when we turn from him, it leads to these difficult seasons. I had a professor once who used to say that it's like God is is right here with you always. And he's really inside you and, and never leaving you and never forsaking you. But it says when we, were, when we turn to sin, it's like we're turning away from him and he feels very distant from us. But the truth is, he's right here and he's always here and it's us that are turning away. But when we confess and we repent, repentance is turning from our sin and turning to God. We realize that he was right here all along. <clears throat> and so hear this. If you're struggling today. Maybe it's because you were harboring sin in your life. You were living outside of what God's word clearly says. And if you're violating your conscience regularly, this will lead to difficulty. It will lead to a spiritual valley or a depression of sorts. And there is great joy and healing that comes if we confess our sins. 
First John 1 John 1.8, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It restores the fullness of the fellowship that you were created for. And so big picture, and this is so important that we consider here right at the beginning. Even if it's not the main thrust of, of what the psalmist is saying in, in chapter 42 and, and 43. But when you come to faith in Jesus, you have been bought with a price of infinite worth of what Christ has done for you. And you are now a new creation and you are created to live in light of his glorious grace. To return to your sin, as the proverb says, is, is like a dog who returns to its own vomit. And that's a pretty serious description. But that's the truth and it will cause destruction. It can cause depression. And so the first thing it says, ask God to search your heart, to make you aware of those areas that you're not responding in faith and confess and repent. Now, that said, that's not always the case. And I think it's what we have here in this psalm. It's not always a direct sin in your life. You may say, I am seeking the Lord and I love him, but I am struggling right now. And so there's three things here. That could be contributing to that. And, and, and we're going to see they're, they're really kind of outside of our control at the moment. But it's important for us to consider and look to that and think about the steps to take. And so the first thing I want you to look at is in verses 8 through 10 of, of Psalm chapter 42. And so it's, it says this here, beginning in verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. And why they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And so the psalmist starts here. And you see, as I mentioned, that he starts with a confession of who God is. In verse 8, he's praying in verse 9 as he's talking to God. He's saying God is with him and God is control. By day he commands his steadfast love. By night his song is with me. And then in verse 9 he says, why have you forgotten me? And you see the psalmist is struggling with what's happening. What you see here is the difficult season is overshadowing what he knows to be true. This is exactly what we talked about last week and a couple weeks ago. God can seem distant or absent in the circumstances of difficult times. Why are you allowing things to go on like this, as the psalmist says? So there may be a time such as now where everything gets turned upside down, so to speak. We struggle with the circumstances of life. Those times uh, can lead to difficulty, uh, feeling uh, spiritually dry. But God hasn't changed. He hasn't left. But you are so inundated with what is around you that sometimes it's hard to see past it. And so we can struggle because of those seasons and those times. And this certainly could be one of those times right now. We have very different rhythms Different circumstances, different struggles of all sorts of jobs, finances, hardships, sickness, some uh, struggling with fear, some just frustration of when can things get back to normal. 
And in those circumstances, it can make the time harder. Because those things are real stressors that vie for our focus and attention. And we've talked about that the last couple weeks. The importance of gratitude and thanksgiving in the midst of all that's going around. That we have much to be thankful for. But also last week we talked about in those times as doubt can arise. But that God will meet us in those doubts as we continue to talk to him and confess and wrestle with him. Exactly what the psalmist is doing here. Why have you forgotten me? He continues to come before the Lord. And so this is what it says here. Even when you're seeking the Lord, there can be times that are very difficult. There can be seasons in the midst of that. And so the first one is just the circumstances of life and the difficult, different seasons that come and the hard things that are in front of us. But the second one I want you to look at is in verses four, five and six. And so he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down O my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mazar. And so he he's confessing uh, again where he's struggling and he's kind of beginning to tell us why. He says, my soul is cast down within me in, in verse five. But he says, I remember getting to do this thing. Right. So what does he say in verse four? How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and keeping a multitude of praise. The context here is the psalmist is a musician who was actively involved in leading worship there in verse four. He would go and he'd lead the people up to the temple in Jerusalem as they would worship together. They would raise their voices and shout for joy. And what he's remembering there in verse four, but then in verse five, he says, why is my soul so downcast? Why is there turmoil within me? But then in verse six, he tells us. He says, I'm I'm cast down and I'm feeling this because I'm not getting to do this right now. I'm far away in this other land and he doesn't get to lead the worship. And there's a sense of of spiritual struggle that he is not with the people of God, worshiping God together. And I read this this week and read Psalm 42 and, and I felt like, yes, it's hard not to get to gather together with God's people to unite in worship. We were made for this. Like Psalm 33 says, shout for joy to the Lord. Praise befits the upright. Though something you can certainly do daily and you can praise him in all things and you can do it in your home. But we were designed for community. We were designed to praise and worship God together as his people. And there's a great encouragement and glory in gathering together corporately to worship God. And it is good and it's good for us. It's like C.S. Lewis says, we, we get more of God together than on our own. And I confess here, I I feel that right now. 
I love getting to worship home. I love worshiping God each day in different ways, whether it's in my car or with my headphones or as I walk or whatever it is. But I struggle when I don't get to gather with others. And that's hard. And as a church family, uh, we are working uh, at ways in which we will be able to gather again soon. And we want to do so in ways that are measured and caring well for each other and for our community. And please know that we are working to that end. And it is important and it is good and we need that and we look forward to those times. So the second thing here is he's struggling not just because of the circumstances, because he's missing this, this opportunity of corporate worship with God's people. But there's a third thing I want you to see. It's in verse 4. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. And he's talking about what he used to do and how he used to lead this procession to the house of God with glad shouts. And he's missing leading the people of God and it's contributing to his struggle. He's a worship leader. Let's remember going up and leading the people in worship. And the reason is simple. We are made to love and to serve others. It's at the core of our beings, of being made in God's image. It's foundational to who we are in Jesus as we come to faith in him. We are called now to be servants, to love and serve others the way Jesus has loved and served us. And so he's struggling not being able to do that. There's a couple reasons when we stop and think about why this is so central to who we are and how we live and how we were made to live. Being made in God's image, God himself is community, perfect community that loves and serves always. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all outwardly focused, loving and glorifying the other. And we were made in the likeness of God. To love God and to love people, to be outwardly focused, to love and serve others. And as image bearers of God, we are to made, made to work and to serve others. And it's part of our very design and makeup. And when those things are frustrated and removed, it's difficult. And it can lead to hard seasons. It can lead to frustration. And it's not just the lack of, of work or, or being productive, although that certainly could play into this. But it's also in faith in Jesus, you become a new creation. And you are united with Christ and his work being formed in you and working in you. You are in Christ. You are someone who is a recipient of the greatest service ever. And that God humbled himself to come to you to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He died to himself and he laid down his life for you. And in him, you are now uh, in him, in this, made to love and to serve others. And when we can't. Or when that's interrupted or we're not sure how to do it, it's hard. And it can lead to times of difficulty and sadness. You weren't meant to be all about you. And so we see unconfessed sin. We see difficult times and circumstances. We see missing community and corporate worship. And here not being able to have the output of loving and serving others. And all these things are are what we're experiencing right now. And it can certainly lead to a spiritual depression. So then the question is, what do we do about it? If we're struggling in a season like that with dryness, with difficulty in this season, how do we begin to move forward? Let me just give you a couple of things real quickly and then we'll finish. The first thing I'd say is if you're struggling with a real 
serious time of, of dryness or spiritual valley, confess your sins. Pray Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart and try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Confess. Ask God to search you and to know you and to show you because the wonderful, glorious good news is that because of the gospel, because of the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we can confess. We can be open and honest and we can come to him and we confess our sins. Like we talked about last week when we're struggling and doubts arise, you can confess those. You can meet them head on because you are not saved by not having any doubts. You are saved by Jesus and what he's done. You are not saved by your perfect life because none of us is perfect. You are saved by Jesus' perfect work on your behalf. And so you can confess And you can repent and you can turn from those things and cling to him in faith because it's all his doing. And there are wonderful times of healing and renewal that come when we confess our sins. We are called to do this. But then the second thing I would say is, is love others. Begin to get outside of yourself. And I know that can be hard right now. But it's essential that we get outside of ourselves and love others because this is who we are in Jesus. And I know it's difficult in this season, but let me just give you a couple ways to do this or to to begin to think about it. First, I would just say pick up a phone and call one of your brothers and sisters in your church family. Ask how you can be praying for them. Share with them what God is teaching you. Pray together. You were made for this. Each week we're doing uh, church-wide, anyone can hop on a Zoom call to do sermon discussions. We do that on Wednesday night. It's just a simple time to spend time reminding one another of who God is and loving each other. You know, as we're able and as restrictions loosen, we can get together in small groups, our missional communities and our DNA groups, spend time together. Even if it's smaller groups and settings, even if it's just a couple of people. Uh, Even if it needs to be on a Zoom call at at distance right now, be diligent in those ways to reach out and love one another. If you're not currently doing that, you're not sure how to do that, or maybe uh, it's just your personality. You go, man, the idea of reaching out or stepping into that's really difficult for me. That's okay. And I want you to hear me as I say this. Would you reach out to myself or, or to Luke this week? We would love nothing more than to help get you connected in those ways that you can be part of this community and growing in ways that we can love one another more deeply. I know taking that step can be hard for some of us or or daunting or, or maybe even scary, but that's what we're here for, to help get you connected in those ways. This is the very heartbeat of our church. We are created to be in relationship And to love one another, it's vital to our growth as disciples is what God has called us to. And so look for opportunities to love one another. And then the third thing is I'd say we gather for worship. And I know right now that can seem hard and it's not the way we're used to. And we can take for granted when it was so easy to come and do that. But Lord willing, we're going to meet again soon. 
At the end of this month, we're planning to have some worship services starting at the end of this month uh, for the summer, summer, for the summer, uh, maybe once a month, something like that, where we can safely follow guidelines, still have worship together. It'll be outside where we can be uh, spread out and worship together. We'll still continue to do online worship resources. And I would encourage you to worship with your family, with your friends. Maybe it's inviting a neighbor over. As guidelines become clear and they begin to loosen, we want to encourage you to worship together in your small groups and gather together to pray and to sing God's praises and encourage one another about who God is. You were made for this. To fellowship and to love one another and praise Him together. The last thing as we end is this, and it's the refrain of this psalm. You see it in verse 5 and verse 11. You see it in verse 5 of of chapter 43. And, And it says it three times. It's the very last thing in verse 43. And it says this. Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. And He says it three times. And so we say, well, what do we do in the middle of this difficult season or spiritual dryness? You confess and repent. You love others and get outside of yourself. You gather together with others to proclaim the goodness of God and who he is as we worship him together. But in doing all of this, we place our hope in God. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in our performance. Our hope is not in our stuff or what we can accumulate. Our hope is in Jesus and his finished work and nothing else. We are good with God, the creator and redeemer of all creation because of what he has done for us in Jesus. And there is no situation in life or in death that can change that. And so right now we set our hope on him. We fix our eyes on him. We continue to seek him in all things, even when there are days that seem hard. Even when there are days that are longer or more difficult, he does not leave us or forsake us. There are days when our glorious future seems further away or more difficult. But we will again praise him together, Lord willing, corporately very soon in this life. But eventually we will praise him together in his presence. Hold fast to the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for the glorious good news. We thank you that you love us in all seasons and in all times. And I pray that right now, as as some of these things are very real and very difficult right in front of us, that we would hold fast to the hope that we have in you. I pray that you would help us to be creative in the steps we take to to love one another, to worship together, to encourage one another. I I pray that we would continue to, to hold fast to the things that you tell us. And uh, I pray that as we go through these different seasons, uh, that you would continue to reveal yourself in new ways that just overwhelm us with your grace and your glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.